All right. It is, let's see, episode six. We're almost at a full week's worth of episodes so far. Uh, this is Dirty Mike and the Boys podcast. Um, I know last week in my intro, um, I said that we were only temporarily switching to putting out episodes on Thursdays, um, but I was wrong. Um, so from here on out for at least the rest of the calendar year of 2020, um, we will always be having our episodes come out Thursday mornings instead of Wednesday mornings. Um, so please, you know, change your, your schedule accordingly for that. Um, so, but, uh, plenty Mark of sports, it down. Mark, Mark it down, it down. It's circle on your calendars, you know, set an alarm, whatever you got to do. It's, uh, trying to make it a good hour of your, to start your Thursdays. And, uh, so hopefully we've been doing that so far. Um, plenty of sports happenings this week, uh, baseball, football, all that good stuff to cover. Um, so before we get into it, uh. How was your week, guys? Anything important? Anything big or just kind of a, another week of pandemic lifestyle? Another week in paradise, Mike. Yeah, yeah it sounds about right. Living the dream. How, how's the hip, Dev? Oh, it's it's getting better. It's day by day. Uh, started up physical therapy last week and uh, getting it moving around and getting some more more flexion and all that good stuff. So I'd say it's doing pretty well. Have your hips uh, stopped lying? Are they no longer lying? Okay, let's cut his mic. Let's just cut his mic. Oh, yeah, that okay. was not, not a good start. That was bad. That was bad. <laughs> it's one thing to have a joke, but if you, you stumble through it, but it's uh, it's uh, it's a rough start. But we'll, we'll, we'll forgive you for this one. It's it's all good. We won't forgive you for your, your previous week's pick of the week, but we'll get to that eventually. Um, so uh, we're going to kind of just lead off with baseball as we kind of have uh, the last couple episodes. Uh, so the World Series just finished up uh, Tuesday night. Uh, Dodgers, as everyone pretty much kind of figured it was going to happen, ended up beating the Rays. Uh, it took them six games. Um, so, you know, the Rays were able to hang tough to take two wins. But uh looks like Kevin Cash's questionable pitching yanks of uh, Blake Snell on Tuesday were the downfall of the game. As soon as uh, he was pulled out, Dodgers put some runs on the board, took over, and then that was pretty much all she wrote. Um, so kind of looking back at our picks, um, three out of four of us picked the Dodgers. Um, Colton was the lone dissenter in picking the Rays. Secretly, I think we all wanted the Rays to win. Uh, we just smartly figured that the Dodgers were going to win. Um, so I was correct in calling the fact that it was going to take six games for the Dodgers to pull this one out. Um, nobody was correct in guessing the World Series MVP. Uh, it was Corey Seager. Um, so that was kind of one of the more under-the-radar performances of the the series. Um, you guys have any kind of takeaways from what we saw for these last six games to end the season? Um, I don't think so. I think you knew what the Dodgers were coming out, and the Rays bullpen didn't shut them down like I thought they would, at least maintain it. So I just I just think it was what we thought it was. Yeah, I my only real big thing is the is the pulling of Snell. I mean, you could see how uh just he was he looked furious. 
and for a good reason to be pulled. And there's something to be said about a player who is hot, who is on form in a, the biggest game of the year, and you're pulling him out because of numbers, calculations. Like you can see how good he's feeling. Why not just leave him in there? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that with you too. There, uh, I mean, I just from a from a baseball standpoint, it was just a very very dumb move to make. I mean, but besides that, um, I think the Dodgers ultimately they they got what they paid for, so to speak. It, it's almost like it they've finally gotten the the product that they wanted. Then result. Yeah, I think it was really interesting to kind of follow Kershaw's reaction as the game kind of wound down. Um, he's obviously kind of had that that burden, if you want to call it that, on his shoulders that he doesn't perform in the playoffs. Um, and I think this year he finally got that, you know, was able to get rid of the demons that kind of followed him. He uh, produced when the team needed him. Um, and yeah, I think he was a big time catalyst. Um, I think it is interesting kind of what you guys are just talking about. The Rays got to the playoffs based on probably one major factor, and that was their pitching. Their bullpen was outstanding in the regular season. Uh, their rotation really picked up some slack too. Um, but that ended up being their downfall, apparently, um, you know, as the playoffs went on. You know, Nick Anderson out of the bullpen, you know, he allowed a run, and I think it was six or seven straight postseason games. And, you know, he was he was their proverbial ace out of the pen if you want to call it that he just didn't perform when they needed him to um so i think that team you know they obviously exceeded expectations this year but i think they have some work to do if they want to get back there um there was another headline that popped up from the game last night uh it was in the the sixth or seventh inning right around that time frame uh third baseman for the dodgers justin turner was actually pulled from the game, and it ended up being caused by the fact that he had a positive COVID test uh, come back. Um, apparently, earlier in the day, um, they had one come back was negative. His second one that ended up coming back before the game had started turned positive. So in turn, they had to pull him immediately. I believe that was the first test that MLB has had turned positive in you know the vast majority of the playoffs, which was quite impressive. Um, for a league that didn't bubble up um, per se, they obviously kind of limited their their travel, but uh, they weren't in just one location. So I thought that was impressive. Um, but the weird thing that seems just really inconceivable at this point is that he returned to the field after the game to celebrate with his team, and there's this photo of him sitting next to manager Dave Roberts, who is a cancer survivor. And, you know, Turner didn't have a mask on. He was celebrating with everybody. And it was, it absolutely just blew my mind when I saw, you know, he knew the results. He knew the reason he was pulled. Yet he still came out there and put the media, his teammates, family, friends, you know, everybody in danger of potentially creating a, a small spread. Um, I'm not sure if you guys really had any kind of tapes or kind of insight on what happened. But I think that was very, very uh, just... I'm very surprised that it happened. I'm not super surprised. Like it's not obviously smart on everyone else's health side, but they just won the world series. That's going to, you're going to have to basically cage that guy up in order to keep him from the field. I'd, I would have a hard time believing any athlete would wouldn't do anything different, you know? Yeah. 
Eric and I talked about this a little bit before the pod and, you know, I, I think you have to look at it from both sides. I mean, who, who doesn't want to go out and celebrate with their team, you know, especially winning the world series. But I mean, just, yeah, from, from the health, the health side of it, it just was not very smart. Yeah. I, I think uh, you have a, a, a certain responsibility to the people around you at that point to uh, to make smart decisions, and uh, and he didn't. So I I think that there is responsibility that falls on him, but uh, but it is what it is, and um, I don't know. Be be a little curious to see if there's any fallout. The lead looks to be wanting to come down pretty hard on Turner. Apparently, there's been some. Reports of uh, potential fines and suspensions coming down for him. The league's talking about it. They put out an official statement, you know, displaying how unhappy they were with Turner's actions. Um, obviously, with how they treated, you know, like the whole Astros cheating scandal, there was some penalties handed down, but not as much as pro- people probably wanted. So we'll have to see if uh, that trend continues with this or if they finally had enough of uh, people, you know, going against their rules and whatnot. But, uh, so yeah, so Tuesday was the last game of the MLB season. Uh, free agency has been confirmed to be starting November 1st at 5.01 p.m. Eastern. Uh, it's 5.01 because 5 o'clock on that same day is the deadline for teams to uh, decide if they're going to offer out qualifying offers to eligible players. Um, this year, that amount is $18.9 million. Um, which is a pretty hefty amount in any year. Um, but I think with the pandemic, you know, shortening profits and putting teams a lot closer to the red, if not in the red um, more than usual, I think that will be a very scarce contract that's at least thrown out there for potential free agents. But uh, next week we'll look to talk about, uh, you know, if there's any big time moves that are made, kind of looking at the off season preview and see if there's any, you know, big time players that end up changing teams and moving on and whatnot then. Um, but outside of that, and it's pretty much it for baseball, um, for the NFL, um, week seven was a crazy week. Um, you know, Sunday night football had that Seattle Arizona game, which we'll get to in a little bit, which was absolutely bonkers. Um, and then there was a couple Sunday games, you know, during the noon slate and the afternoon slate that produced, you know, pretty good results. Um, we had our first snow game, Chiefs Broncos, um, which was fun to see. I think everybody had fun in the game except the Broncos. Um, but uh, we, except for Colton, we did not have fun in terms of looking at our our locks for this past week. Um, unfortunately, Colton can be the only one to say that he got um, his lock correct from this past week. Uh, He called the Chargers over the Jags by 10, and not only did he pick the result, but he also picked the spread correctly. So not sure what voodoo shit's going on here, but nice job with that. (laughs) Yeah, get him, Colton. Good job. I did it. (laughs) You did it. Um, I chose the Falcons uh, to take a a slim victory over the Lions, and they had that lined up until last 20 seconds of the fourth quarter. Uh, Shout out to Todd Gurley for blowing that chance (laughs) out of the water when he stumbled across the goal line when he didn't need to. 
Um, oh, oh, yeah. We'll we'll uh, we'll get into that conversation a bit a bit later. Imagine just being a Falcons fan. Awful. Do you think it's worse right now than being a Jets fan? Well, yes, I think I, it is because they I, give you hope. Or at least like Jets, like yeah, go into it like you suck. And they have so much talent. Like, yeah. and and you've been there with a lot of the same players, uh, and you brought in Todd Gurley. At, like, yeah, I, that might be a good point. Like Jets, you know what's coming. Yeah, I think the the to be a member of the Jets fan base, um, it's a very low bar, kind of coming into it. <laughs> um, I think that kind of goes with being a fan of any New York based sporting team, regardless of the NFL, you know, kind of stuff like that, except if you're a Yankees fan, cough, cough. Um, but uh, I think, yeah, I, I think just there's no competent individual who can honestly answer the question of who your favorite team is instead of Falcons with a smile on their face. It's just not possible at this point. Um, Eric took the Giants to beat the Eagles on Thursday Night Football. Um, again, a very late result game that oh. saw the Eagles pull this one out in the end. Eric is very unhappy about this one. This was devastating. Awful. Because as our loyal listeners uh, know, we have been doing so well. So we finally put money on these picks. <laughs> and... Uh, 21 to 10 and then blowing the lead was just devastating. Uh, I'm, I, I was upset. Colton was, uh, upset and angry. It's probably a better word. You were angry. I was, I was distraught. Like it was a shake my head moment, but it was, it was also like, uh, you know, couldn't really believe it because it was um, one of those things too. Like as soon as they scored that touchdown, so they go down five. Yeah, you, you, it was going to happen. You just knew it was going to happen. Yep. All he had to do was once Daniel Jones found that sprinkler, he just kind of just kind of went from there, and that was the downfall of the game. Well, but, so they still scored on that drive. That Evan Ingram drop is what to them in. That's true. Do you think they could get at least maybe two bags of peanuts for Ingram at the trade deadline, or just one? <laughs> right. Hopefully, just one. What? What a. The trash, trash. I'll probably end up getting some kind of jock strap for him. Ooh, some like newly equipped one or something. Like... <laughs> I'm not gonna say. We're gonna leave that <laughs> one well enough alone. <laughs> that's that's not a path you want to go down. Okay. Um, Devin was he he decided, and this is a, a result that I am extremely proud of. Um, he decided that he thought. You know, Green Bay, they they lost, you know, previous week uh, to Buccaneers. They, you know, didn't look too good. Rodgers was all over the place, all that kind of good shit. Um, so we figured, you know what, we'll just kick them while we're down, and they have to travel to Houston. Maybe they'll, you know, they'll fall again. Watson will be the resurging Texans team. Devin, how did that one turn out for you? Okay, to, in my defense, I thought that this game was going to be high scoring to begin with. It was. For one side, yeah. For one side, that that's <laughs> that's the key here. And so, which side was that? Uh, yes, we know, Mike. We, we get it. But um, <laughs> yeah. In, in all honesty, I I thought I really had high hopes for Watson and in that offense, but I also forgot that uh, Hopkins isn't playing with them anymore. So 
Yeah, it, it was not one of my finer picks of the, the year so far. I'll say that much. Shots for you. Two specifically. That's right. And and I will I will I will gladly take them. I think uh I think we all learned a lot this week. Um I think we all learned the fact that, you know, if there aren't four teams that are playing the Jets in one week, we probably shouldn't put money on it. Oh be fact. Yeah. We're, so we're, we're back we're back on the sideline when it comes to betting money on it. I think uh, week eight has a lot more of an even keel schedule from what I've kind of looked at, um, which might make it tougher. Um, but we'll we'll give our our lot at the end of the episode, and hopefully we can you know improve upon our absolutely just awful week that we just had. But moving on to positives, uh, the two really good games we wanted to cover from this past week were um, a matchup that included three undefeated teams at the time. Um, and after these two games, only one team came out undefeated. Uh, so we're going to start with the game that happened at the noon slate, uh, the Pittsburgh-Tennessee game. Um, it was it was a pretty solid game overall. Um, obviously, you know, the, the Steelers are defensively oriented, um, as they have been for a while. Um, but that offense looked pretty, pretty competent. Um, you know, James Conner had... You know, he he was the workhorse. Um, he was easily the guy. He has been for the last couple of weeks, um, even with, you know, Anthony McFarlane and Benny Snell and the the multiple options that are on that team. Um, they uh, they definitely have a good offense on that side, and I think that really complements the defense well. Um, it's also helped keep Big Ben healthy so far this year, um, which was a real big question mark coming into the season. Um, and that's only helped this team, you know, develop their receivers like Juju and Claypool and Deontay and James Washington. Um, but uh, Colton, do you think in the AFC that, you know, is there that there is a team that is on the level of the Steelers on both sides of the ball? Yeah, I still think the Chiefs are the front runner. But man, I, I, it's not going to be an easy game. If those if those two are to match up, like the Steelers, if Deontay Johnson is healthy, he's somehow their number one with Juju oh. and the emergence of Claypool. Like that's that's a ton of weapons along uh, with James Conner as well. Uh, Colton, on a scale of one to ten, how good did Deontay Johnson look before he got re-injured? <laughs> re-injured again? Um, I'd, probably an eight. Like I don't, I wouldn't. He'd be great. Like all the jump cuts. Oh, had, the he, jump he cuts. Op- he was open all the time. Like. The amount of separation he had was great. He looked so good to me. Like his cuts were so good to make people miss on like third and eleven, just cut way back at on a dime and be able to make the uh, third down. It, it, he looks so good. Yeah, he's fantastic. I think that offense is going to be great, um, especially how Mike described it, like keeping Big Ben healthy. That offensive line is, you know, they had a bunch of hog mollies on there too, and I think they've they've really been able to not only keep him upright, but keep Connor healthy too. And I think, you know, when Connor's healthy, that keeps Big Ben healthy, and then keeps both of them on top of their game. Um, you know, Connor got 20, 20 carries alone this past week. Um, I think, you know, we'll get to this a little bit later, but the, their next game against the Ravens is going to 
really dictate, you know, how this offense looks moving forward. You know, if, if Connor continues to get, you know, 15 to 20 carries, not just touches, carries a game, you know things are going right because they're sticking to their game plan and they're able to follow through on what they set out to do before that game. Um, but I think, you know, Devin, we were talking earlier, um, there's kind of been a little bit of an unsung hero in this offense playing tight end for the Steelers, who's really been a nice safety valve compliment for, for Big Ben this year. Yeah. Um, when you talk about um, <clears throat> Ebron, I mean, he, for me, uh, fantasy wise, I have not been the best at playing him. But he has put up some some pretty decent numbers. Uh, he's had at least uh, four games of about 50 yards uh, in receptions. Um, but I mean, besides that, he's he's been pretty solid for the most part. And then obviously looking at Connor, I kind I I'm starting to regret trading him uh, to. I think it was you, Mike. Is that correct? It was it, so far. It's been a pretty fair deal. So it was Connor for Tyler Boyd, and Tyler Boyd's been yeah. very consistent too. Oh, good trade! And you know, you you know what's really like irritated me the most about that is I haven't started Boyd the last two weeks now. Yeah, so. he's been on. He's been riding your bench. <laughs> it's been a lot of points down there. I I know. I've just yeah, it's been bad for me, fantasy wise, just overall this year. But um, yeah, I mean that that. That game though Sunday, the Steelers and Titans overall is just a solid game of the the noon slate. So, I know uh, Eric was a little peeved, and we'll just kind of put it out there nicely about the fact that the Steelers Titans was not the game that was fletched to, you know, the the late afternoon slate. Um, he was hoping that was going to be the game so he could get to watch it. Um, but I I I think. Um, I still think that you know the the coverage for that game was that was enough to kind of give him a a look into how good this this you know both of these teams turned out. You know even though Tennessee lost, they're still really competent. Um, and you know they they have the inside track to easily or not easily, but to to probably take the AFC South. It's pretty much them and Indianapolis right now. Um, but I think they pretty much you know they pretty much go as far as Derrick Henry goes. Um, and, you know, Eric, you noticed that everybody knows that the Steelers' defense is good, but they completely – well, not completely, but they pretty much shut Derrick Henry down on Sunday. Oh, they are so good. This is my favorite defense to watch week in, week out. They looked so good against Derrick Henry. They are amazing against the run. And I know if you look at the – if you look at the sheet and, and just your fantasy points from Derrick Henry, you were all right. Uh, a late touchdown saved his week, uh, but he had 20 carries for 75 yards and a score, and his long was 17. So without that 17-yard uh, run, his average was 3.05 yards per carry. So not good at all without that 17-yard breakaway. Uh, and uh, definitely would have ruined your week if you didn't have the uh, the late touchdown. But man, this defense just uh, do not start running backs against them. Uh, they are so good against it. 
Agreed. And I, I obviously Henry's involvement in the passing game has picked up too, but he, you know, two catches for you know, a three yard loss is not going to cut it. So yeah, that touchdown was exactly what, um, what they needed. Kind of going back to what you just said about the defense, you know, they, they take on Baltimore next and then they have a, a couple real juicy matchups. So week nine through 11, they travel to Dallas, they host the Bengals and they travel to Jacksonville. Obviously, that Week 10 game against Joe Burrow where he's completely just slinging the ball to everyone on the field, especially Tyler Boyd, Devin, hint, hint. Um, he, you know, that the defense is an absolute must-start every single week, regardless of, out, you know, uh, opponent. They, they kind of are putting up close to Patriot defense numbers from last year when everybody was, you know, scrambling to pick them up or trade for them or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, they've just been crazy unstoppable this year. Um, what's funny is on the flip side of that, on the Sunday night game, both defenses were, they just decided to take the night off. Um, that was pretty much known come into it that the Seattle defense was going to just be completely shredded. Uh, they've they've turned pretty much all their games into shootouts at this point, just because they can't stop anybody through the air, uh, the ground a little bit better, but the air is not good for them. Um, but the, uh, the Cardinals were, they got torched a bunch too by uh, Russell Wilson. So this, this turned into one of those prototypical Sunday night football, NFC West matchups. That was great for everyone to see, regardless of if you're fans of any of those teams or not. Um, fantasy wise, obviously everybody knows about Tyler Lockett's performance. Um, you know, 15 catches, 200 yards and three touchdowns, 53 points in standard PPR ESPN. Uh, he was an absolute just godsend for me. Um, him and Tyler Murray got me a combined 90 points in that game alone. That so is insane. Talk about a, uh, a, a change in projections right there. The but, funniest part. But Mike, right, I thought Kyler Murray was a bad draft pick. You know, there <laughs> may be certain individuals that did not predict that Kyler was going to have a breakout season in his second year in Arizona. Um, but those are also the same individuals who didn't see Dak Prescott putting up the numbers that he did before he went out either. So they <laughs> may have questions about understanding quarterback talent. However, the fact remains that Kyler Murray has been putting up QB1, not just you know QB1 like above average, but QB1 out of the entire lead numbers for the entire season. It's been him and Wilson. Obviously, Prescott did too before he went down, but like it's it's been the battle of the two NFC East, NFC West, excuse me, quarterbacks. Um, and they they showed it in this game. It was absolutely just a fantastic matchup. Um, Turnovers were a surprising entrant, though. Um, you know, Wilson threw a couple picks, um, and you know, Tyler. Tyler wasn't the the best in terms of some accuracy issues, um, but overall, I think both teams played probably better than they expected to. Um, but Colton, did you see this kind of being a consistent theme with the Seahawks moving forward in terms of kind of how they played on Sunday? Uh, no, I don't think so. I- like think about it. The Cardinals won on a last second field goal in overtime when Russell Wilson had three interceptions. I don't see him doing that consistently. Um, he's never done that consistently. So I still think the Seahawks are going to be 
and one of the top teams in the NFC moving forward. I think the uh, the expanded playoffs this year really helps the West because, you know, it looks like as of right now, they potentially, depending on how the 49ers, you know, recover from all their injuries, they could potentially boast four playoff competent teams that are going to be fighting for spots. And I think that really is, you know, a testament to the kind of building that every franchise has done in that division. Um, you know, it used to be the... It seems like every team's kind of gone through their their tenure at the top of that division. Obviously, recently it was the Niners, and now the Seahawks kind of picked it up, and now it's you know the Rams and the Cardinals are up and comers, and everybody's just kind of been throwing their hat into the rain. It's it's been really really fun to watch. Um, you know what? Something I just thought of is you pretty much want to get second place in the NFC West because the first place team probably isn't going to get the buy. Just because they're going to beat up in each other, the second place team gets to play the NFC East winner, which is a buy. Which is pretty much a buy. As we were just kind of talking about, it looks like the to get to the Super Bowl, it's going to probably take team to go through one, if not two, teams from the West. Uh, Devin, who out of those, you know, out of the out of those four teams, do you feel like? You know, let's say Green Bay or the Saints or the Buccaneers or whoever. Do you think they have to pretty much go through like the Seahawks and then the Cardinals, the Seahawks and then the Rams? What's kind of your your packing order right now in that division? Um, so I think that the first team is going to be the Seahawks, uh, just just because their offense is just incredible. Uh, you know, obviously their defense is uh, one of their biggest concerns, but I think it's kind of evident lately in pro football and college football as well as offense has been the biggest key in how how teams are uh, being successful. And I also also think that um, the other team that could be uh, be the the path to the Super Bowl in that that uh, division is the Rams. I think just the way that they the way that they uh, can that Sean McVay can scheme their offense to, to be good defenses, especially like the bears, you know, the other night, they just absolutely shredded them. And it just, it did not look like the bears even came to play. I think the biggest factor coming into the season to be able to see how good the Rams are going to be able to rebound is how they may do with life after Todd Gurley. Um, and I think they've done excellent. Obviously, they they don't have that clear cut top guy. Um, you know, Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown are your your top two options. Henderson probably takes the cake because he's a little more a little more developed. Seems in the offense. Um, and Cam Akers definitely has the makings of being the the future back there. But agreed. I think Midvay's really kind of turned over a new leaf from last year from how they how they were and uh definitely brought them back into competition in the in the west um eric you have this and this is a good thing before i go into it but this is you have like this weird larry fitzgerald obsession is this like a a <laughs> long running kind of like light for him or what's what's the background on that um, I guess sort of, but uh, I don't know. I just I I think that Larry Fitz is just great. Um, I love watching the Cardinals play because of Kyler Murray and because this defense is a lot better than people give them credit to be. But 
I always love watching Fa- Larry Fa- Fairy Fitzgerald. <laughs> Larry Fitzgerald uh play and so uh he he's just one of my favorite players of all time. Uh he broke broke records this past game. Uh he now holds the record for most receptions in one stadium. And he is currently 142 receptions back from tying Jerry Rice for the all-time record. Um, And he is uh, 5,605 receiving yards behind Jerry Rice as well. Um, I I would love to see him break both of those records. I think he's, he's just been an amazing talent. I think he's a great person above all else. And so I just love watching him play. Um, and I hope, you know, if he's able to stay in the year in the league, like maybe four to f- five years more, uh, which for him might be getting to be a tall task. But if he can do that, I think he can he can break the record. He relatively has stayed healthy in his career, which has obviously contributed to his um, his success that he's had. Um, I I do think that for a guy who's been in the league since 2004, um, he's missed you know a handful of games every year, uh, or not every year, but you know across his career he's missed a handful of games. I think that's a little bit of a, a tall task. I do think um, you know a few actually you know let me ask you this, Eric. How many for him to get 142 catches to tie Jerry Rice? How many seasons do you think that takes with his current role in the offense and how the league's progressing? Mm, four years. Four. I. Uh, I'll say four years. He needs to stay in the league to break the receptions. Uh, I. I. I'm fairly confident that in four years he can break the receiving yards record too. So I'd say, uh, four years. I think that they will potentially find games that, uh, that game script him open a little bit more if he's running out of the slot. Um. A little bit more uh and finding ways to get him a ball because he's still a dynamic player and a reliable pass catcher i think they'll find ways to do it uh and get him there in four years so 2018 69 catches for 734 yards 2019 75 for 804 this year he's already got 29 for 207 um you know his numbers are down a little bit uh his target share is kind of falling falling down a little bit too um but he is just that that veteran presence you know they don't hand out larry legend nicknames to everybody in the league and i think he's obviously earned that um so yeah i agree i think he obviously deserves that record um him and jerry rice are kind of seem like they've kind of been in that same area of being like the nice guys in the league um and I th- I think that Fitz, if he can continue to his clean bill of health, he definitely has an inside track to uh, getting to those those records that you you mentioned. Um, so that's that's it for us for the uh, um, the recaps. Uh, we're gonna look at you know two games for the week eight. Uh, we're gonna stick with the Steelers Ravens, and then we're gonna look at the Saints Bears. Um, we kind of led into it earlier when we were talking about the Steelers Titans game. Um, you know, that the defense for the Steelers is just crazy, crazy, stupid good. Um, and obviously the Ravens is too. However, I do think this game comes down to offensive efficiency. Um, 
obviously you know you know Big Ben and James Conner and the receivers that the Steelers have. Um, and then obviously on the other side of the ball, Lamar Jackson, who's been having a bit of a down year, um, which is funny because a down year for him is still a pretty good year in terms of, you know, quarterback play regardless. Um, but I do think that there's three players that if Baltimore wants to win this game, it comes down to it's Marquise Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews, and surprisingly enough, J.K. Dobbins. So Hollywood obviously is that speedster um, receiver threat. He is the number one guy there. Um, Lamar's had some issues hooking up with him on the deep balls. Um, I think they've gotten a little bit better in that area. Um, but if he's able to take the top off the defense a few times, also mixing some underneath stuff, that's going to be able to open up some running areas for Lamar and you know the backfield and all that stuff, and that's going to make it easier on everybody. Um, Andrews kind of fills that role too of the the field splitter, that vertical threat, but he also is more of a safety valve. Um, there was a report that came out this week that the Ravens, along with the Packers, had thrown out um, potential trade offers for Zach Ertz of the Eagles. Um, that was before he went down with his injury that put him on IR. Um, so obviously it looks like that's not going to happen. Uh, but obviously the Ravens felt like they needed another offensive weapon, not necessarily in the form of a receiver. Um, obviously with the trade deadline, that could still happen. Um, but Andrews, the tight end role in general, just fills a huge role in this Baltimore offense. And Andrews is the cream of the crop for what Lamar needs. Um, but I, I think Dobbins fills a big role just in this sense alone. Mark Ingram didn't play last week. Um, Mark Ingram also didn't practice Wednesday. Um, Gus Edwards took the line share of the carries um, last week. Dobbins was worked into the play calling, but not as much as you would expect for the type of draft pick that was used on Dobbins. Um, but I think Dobbins, besides being the future of this backfield, is that kind of dual threat piece that complements Edwards well, that can run those kind of option plays, the speed options, you know, all that good stuff with Lamar. He also is a good um, receiving threat. I think he could be one of those under the radar X factors for the Ravens. And he, he could, he could, you know, get his touchdown this week, potentially see little Pater with the Ingram potentially being out. Obviously if Ingram is in this kind of is all a moot point, but Dobbins could fill a pretty big role this week. Um, Colton, with how we were just talking about the the defenses, you know, being as dominant as they are, do you think that with the the pass rush and you know, the linebacker play for the Steelers, does Lamar even get time to stand back in the pocket to to throw the ball downfield? I would, I would say I doubt it. I mean, he he struggled this year to throw the ball anyway, and last time he played the the Steelers, he threw three interceptions, so that's not good. Um, you mentioned this all these weapons that he has, but he's not going to hit them. And I think that's why Pittsburgh wound up winning this game, but we'll see. Maybe he turns around here. He's, his accuracy when he's flush out of the pocket has grossly improved since he entered the league. Um, but kind of like you said, you know, having to run for his life on every play just doesn't, doesn't add up to success in the passing game. And I think, if he continues to produce, you know, multiple pick in, you know, contests like he did the last time they played the Steelers, um, it's not going to be a, a good night for for Baltimore in this contest. Um, Devin, 
the point totals that both defenses have given up are extremely low. Um, they hover right around 20 points, I believe. Um, do you think that one unit has an advantage over the other in like maybe a better secondary or like the, the Steelers pass rush, you know, what's, what's the X factor for both sides here in terms of trying to shut down the opposing offense? Um, I'm, I'm probably going to say that it's going to be the Steelers pass pass rush. Uh, basically going to agree with Colton here. Um, I think if, if the if the Ravens can't get Jackson to to move out of the pocket and get get some different looks, it, it's going to be a long long game for him. Um, but ultimately, I, th- I I think it's going to come down to both defenses in, in this game, which is funny how I how I said offense is the key to to success in the league earlier. But I, I think this one's going to be a a defensive struggle to to say the least. I think it's very situational. Um, obviously, the league is turning into a offensively focused um, league in terms of how teams try to base their attacks on a weekly basis. But I, I definitely think defense is still holding its own. And this game's, like you said, going to be a, a really good testament of that. Um, going to the offense, Eric, you love Deontay Johnson. What do you think for him this week? Well, so he is dealing with the ankle injury uh, again. Um, so I I think he's he's questionable to play, but from what I've seen, he's kind of tre- trending in the right direction. So I would love to see him out on the feel- field in his usual role. Um, and I agree with what Devin has said. I could really see this being a defensive-focused game. Uh, I feel like whenever these two teams meet, it's dirty, it's rough, and it's uh, it's a game that's won uh, between the tackles and less so on the on the outside. But it takes someone like like a Deontay Johnson or, or Juju to uh, to make one big play that kind of blows the offense open for the Steelers. Uh, but I, I agree with what Devin said. I could easily see this being like a like a 17 to seven type of game, just really uh, down in the dirt in the trenches. So it's one of those prototypical on paper, at least prototypical AFC North, you know, trade them out, muddy, just, uh, just, you know, defensively focused games that are very underrated. Um, obviously people don't necessarily like the low scoring games, but I, I, I think that it, uh, it lends itself to really seeing how each team builds itself based on fundamentals. And I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a really good matchup. Um, Saints and Bears is the other game we're going to cover. Um, you know, talking about defenses, the Bears defenses, what's been keeping them in game so far this year. Um, obviously, their offensive struggles have been duly noted, um, definitely by certain individuals, uh, even on this podcast more than others. Um, and uh, I, I think that's that is going to be put to the test this week. Um, Eric, we'll kind of shoot it back over to you first. Uh, you know, obviously the Bears get the bigger headlines for their defense, but the Saints really are growing more competent as the weeks go on. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, it this is going to be an interesting game for the Bears offensively. Uh, to get something going against 
a, a pretty good Saints defense, but one uh, a unit that has kind of underperformed in, in some lengths this year. Um, I don't see the Saints being able to force turnovers the way that the Rams did with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey being able to make interceptions. And so I think that could prove to be a challenge for the Saints. Uh, and I think it does come down to someone like Cam Jordan on the defensive line for the Saints to uh, to turn this into a one-dimensional game and maybe stop uh, the run game and keep them from having a confident run game, which we saw when the Bears lost to the Rams. Uh, they really just weren't able to establish that sort of confidence in a David Montgomery, Cordero Patterson, and to be able to run the ball. So I, I think that, that that they will have an impact in establishing a run game that they are confident with throughout the entirety of the game. I think if you were to look at the schedule for the Bears and look back at games they've played so far, you could probably count on two fingers how many games they've had a competent rushing attack that they've actually felt comfortable in rolling out. Devin, obviously, as the Bears aficionado of this crew, <laughs> do you think that their rushing, their lack of confidence in their rushing game is a bigger is related more to their offensive line struggles, to Montgomery's lack of efficiency, or to Nagy's just blunt, tied-to-the-hip approach of always throwing Cordero Patterson in when he doesn't need to be? Um, I think it's a little of everything. Uh, obviously, we've seen you know the last game or two with the Bears offense, uh, seeing Cordero Patterson line up on short down and distances late in the games, which just absolutely blows my mind, does not make sense at all. I mean, you're paying David Montgomery to be the running back here, so so where's he at, you know? But um, as far as, you know, the Bears rushing attack goes, if, you know, like Eric said, if, if Cam Jordan, Jordan gets in the mix and he – he shuts that down it's it's over Nick Foles is there he's not going to be able to be you know throwing the ball around if if they shut the the run game it's just not going to happen unless unless they can somehow get Darnell Mooney into the mix more uh as you know Robinson's in concussion protocol so that that's going to be interesting to see leading up to the game but um yeah and then looking at the other side of the ball if if New Orleans gets uh, kind of takes a page out of the Rams playbook and they uh, they get Hill incorporated into the offense doing like running some jet sweeps off, off the edge. I, I really think that it'll it'll get the, the Bears defense off balance and maybe even cause some some havoc in the run game and, and really put some pressure on them early. I think it'll be interesting to see how Hill gets used in this game. Um, you know, the the Bears are competent on the outside. Um, you know, their the corners are are good. Kyle Fuller's good. Um, rookie Jalen Johnson's really been a bright spot um, for this team. Um, but obviously, you know, Michael Thomas is still he has an outside shot, but it's not looking great for him to play this week. Um, Manuel Sanders probably won't be playing because he had you know he was on the COVID list last week. Um, 
I think, um, you know, the other weapons, Jared Cook, um, they're they're all going to factor into the offense, obviously. But I also think Kamara is going to take on that big receiving role again this week, and I think that's going to really be a, a good test for the the front seven of the Bears because if they're able to shut him down on the run side of it, he's going to have to show his efficiency through the passing side of it, and he obviously has in the past. Um, but Colton, do you think that he will be able to be efficient if he ends up being more of a, a one-dimensional kind of option on you know this week? Yeah, Kamara is always super efficient. They can use him as a receiver. Like last week, he had eight receptions. You can't like you can't slow him. You can slow him down, but you can't really stop him. So he'll be, he'll be used, and they always use Latavius Murray in trying to run the ball. And I think they'll use a lot of film uh, from that Rams game to try to pick apart that defense. Yeah, they, they I mean, they, they put on a pretty good clinic in terms of how to how to break that down. You know, Goff wasn't asked to do too much against the Bears defense, but just enough to, you know, take the take the pressure off of a somewhat inexperienced rushing attack. I think they did a very good job in that then. So. Yeah, I think I think the you know both these games are going to be super interesting to keep tabs on, and they got you know they already have postseason implications on them in terms of head-to-head records and chasers close records at the end of the year. So it'll be be another good Sunday of football. So uh, we're going to quickly dive into our starts and sits of the week. Um, I have for a start this week. Um, I have uh, Ryan Tannehill of the uh, Titans. He's going up against the Bengals. Um, you know, both, and this is something that Eric will touch on a little bit, but both teams have susceptible pass defenses that easily can be taken advantage of by quarterbacks. Um, you know, we've obviously seen and talked about Joe Burrow and his, you know, throwing the ball for a ton of yardage every game. Um, and, Tannehill is very much in the driver's seat to do that against a very susceptible Bengals defense. And I think, you know, AJ Brown and company will certainly have their way this week with that. Um, Josh Jacobs against the Browns is my start for running back. Um, I think he's, he's definitely in line for um, a good game flow this week. Um, So Browns just lost OBJ to a torn ACL. They're going to probably be playing from behind for a bunch. They're still without Nick Chubb, so it's Kareem Hunt, Jarvis Landry, and a rejuvenated Baker Mayfield, which is really weird to say. Um, So I think this will be a good spot for him. Uh, He was limited in practice on Wednesday, um, but I I don't see that being that big of an issue. Um, He obviously struggled against the Bucs. But you know they they average under or they allow seven less than seventy yards per game on average to opposing running backs, so it's not a super surprising outcome for him to struggle. Um, so I think the Browns give him a lot easier of a, an opponent to uh, break out against. Um, little off the beaten path for receiver choice this week, um, but I'm gonna go Cole Beasley of the Bills uh, against the Patriots. Um, look, he has been one of the more underrated passing options this year, um, fantasy wise that people really aren't picking up on, um, in standard PPR, he's put up at least 9.8 points in every single week of the season. 
He just had his first double digit, you know, game against the Jets, eleven for one twelve. He got two touchdowns on the year. Um, you know, the Pats pass defense is quite competent. You know, Stefan Gilmore is good. They got the McCordy brothers. So it's a little bit of a tougher kind of game. Um, but he's he's got a really nice rapport with Josh Allen as the second target behind Stefan Diggs. And I think he's on an inside track to a consistent target share that he's proven so far this year. Um, and for QB or not for QB, excuse me, for tight end, um, I'm going to take uh, uh, Tyler Higby, um for the Rams. Uh, they're playing, obviously they're, they are playing um, dolphins, excuse me, on the road. Um, I think it should be an interesting game. This will be Tua's first game. Um, and I just think he's he's coming back from injury. He was limited uh, with a hand injury. Um, so hopefully he is able to play. Um, otherwise, if not, Gerald Everett could potentially be a, a solid fill in two against a susceptible Miami defense. Uh, Colton, you got some sits? Yeah, I'll start with quarterback. So Drew Locke, um, he struggled last week. And while the Chargers defensive banged up um, they still contain quarterbacks pretty well so wouldn't start that um i'm just i'm basically gonna sit any backfield against the Steelers defense so this week that's the ravens and that's pretty short and sweet um wide receivers no dak prescott no Andy dalton so i would feel like even at this point amari cooper is pretty dangerous to start long term dalton will be back but it's like they had to force feed Michael Gallup and he still didn't get it done and CeeDee Lamb didn't look good. So I think going forward, the only really wide receiver for Dallas you can use um, is Amari Cooper. And then for tight end, I'm going to sit Jared Cook. He's pretty touchdown dependent and he's had a touchdown in three of his last four games. So I can't see him keeping that up, especially against um, a tough defense in Chicago. So you guys think any differently about the Dallas wide receivers? No, I love the Dallas wide receiver uh, sit here. I, I really, especially on, on Cooper, I, I think he's at best a flex option now. Unfortunately, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust him. Uh, and it's funny because uh, I have a very similar concept for my wide receiver starts, but. Uh, but yeah, it's and that Ravens backfield, it's it's just it's it's really been gross for fantasy purposes. I think they'll help get the job done, but you never know what you're going to count on uh, in terms of fantasy there. For sure. Agreed, Eric. Your starts. My starts this week at quarterback. I am taking uh, Teddy Bridgewater versus the Atlanta Falcons uh, at home. I recently acquired him, uh, traded away Gardner Minshew for Teddy Bridgewater in Dynasty, uh, trying to get me that win this week, and I I want him. I need him. Uh, so uh, he's my start this week. Just Atlanta is just bleeding yards and points to the quarterback position. It is a juicy matchup for Teddy B and the weapons for him have started to produce as well. So I think he's a solid start at running back. Uh, my start is Jonathan Taylor. Uh, after the first few weeks, he was a bit shaky. He was a bit, uh, bit slow, 
but they are fresh off the bye now. And the Indianapolis Colts will need him in this game against the Lions to make a playoff push. And it seems like a good game for them to do it. Uh, and then my wide receiver starts uh, this week are all options in Cincinnati against Tennessee. Uh, T. Higgins, uh, A.J. Green, and Tyler Boyd. I think you can start them all this week. Uh, last week, both Boyd and Green had 13 targets. Uh, T. Higgins had only five, but he caught all five. So he was he still had a pretty safe uh, baseline last week as well in PPR. And I, I think you can start them all this week. Uh, they'll all give you something. This could very well just be a high-scoring game. The Tennessee defense just got uh, just got shattered by the Steelers and their weapons. So I anticipate a similar sort of offense coming through from Cincinnati here. Uh, and then my tight end. Uh, if you're in desperate need of a start, like I am, <clears throat> uh, then Trey Burton is who I'm going to go for against Detroit. Detroit has not allowed very many points to the tight end position, uh, but uh, the Colts have done a really good job of getting the ball to tight ends, and I think that continues here with with Trey Burton. I think with the amount of volume that he's bound to get in this game, he is a very solid play. I would agree with that. I think, you know, Burton is, he definitely should be on your waiver wire. Um, he's not one of those top flight guys. Um, and I think he could definitely, uh, definitely be a sneaky ad, you know, for this week. And, you know, if you need it for a couple more weeks, that's totally fine too. Devin, uh, your quick shits of the week. <laughs> Yes, my quick shits. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, at quarterback, I have Matt Stafford. Do not start him. Uh, the Colts have been giving up uh, 100, about 199 yards a game uh, in the passing game. So, yeah, that's that's not a lot. Uh, plus, they were really good against the Bears. Um also, we got running back uh, David Montgomery. Uh, I I really think that Cam Jordan's going to blow that 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 one up. Uh, as New Orleans, they're only giving up about ninety yards a game. And then wide receiver, I have Devontae Parker. Uh, just based off of what I saw the other night, uh, what the Rams did against the Bears, as far as the pass game goes, uh, they didn't allow a whole. They didn't allow a whole lot. Um, they also had the sixth best past defense in the league so far. Uh, and then at tight end, I have Mo Alley-Cox, just purely out of the fact that Trey Burton uh, is more than likely going to see the majority of the targets there. So here's my quick shits of the week. Nice and steamy as usual. I like Yay. it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, all right, gross. so that's... <laughs> Uh, that's kind of our, our look ahead for this week. Um, Eric, your segment. All right, the potato tree of the week. Um, while Mike wins the prize for uh, calling dibs on the one that we all wanted uh, as soon as it happened this week, uh, which I'm still mad about, but uh, my potato tree of the week is going to be Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley, uh, imagine 
uh, being in a position where there is less than a minute left and you are down two. And you know that you have a great kicker and you know that you just need to run the clock down to the last seconds, kick that game winner, and go home. But Ty Gurley gets the ball. He has a nice run. And he knows he needs to stop short and let that clock run out. So he starts to fall down. And he just barely crosses the goal line. Uh, his momentum carries him forward. Uh, and just just boink, boink, bouncing into the into the... <laughs> <laughs> boink boink into the into the end zone barely crosses the plane and uh one of those few times when you're when you get a uh touchdown and you just go damn it so damn it make uh, <laughs> damn it damn Chad. it make. Chad Gurley. uh and then of course uh, we all know what happens next matthew stafford great quarterback uh in game-winning drives, he does it again. He brings them back, uh, scored a touchdown, they win the game. Uh, and the Falcons, they knew what was going to happen as soon as he crossed that goal line. Todd Gurley, you are the potato this week. Even when they score points, they still don't do what they need to do. That's pretty much a Falcons way to do it, if I've ever seen it. Um, for the go, exactly. Mike, go. So, as was previously set up um by eric my nominee of the week is daniel jones finding the sprinkler at the opposing 20 yard line on his long 80 yard touchdown run which didn't end up being a touchdown run at all um because he turned into wobbly legs about the 25 30 yard line and he just completely just ate shit as he got close (laughs) um going so fast he ran out of his shoes I yeah, I mean it, it still blows my mind that the stat that they put up of how fast he was actually running. He he's got that uh the very interesting deceptive speed um that you really don't see in quarterback that doesn't look as mobile as he is. Um so it was a very giant's way to you know yes. to really struggle on that play. Now, granted, they still scored a touchdown on the drive, so it wasn't as bad, but just think, if he would have scored on that, they could have saved about probably 30 seconds to a minute, which may have been enough time for them to get into field goal range to win the game, and Eric would have won his bet, and we wouldn't have had to have anything to talk about this week. <laughs> right. So, uh, it's his fault. Is is the stat true that that one run it was faster than any... Lamar Jackson run that's been recorded. That would be correct. Oh my so god. That's so wild. So now Lamar has a, a new goal for the rest of the year. <laughs> be faster than Danny <laughs> Dimes. <laughs> uh yeah, that Back was Dan. That was that was that was something. Speaking of the Giants, Colton, you have a problem with a quarterback too, don't you? Yeah, Cam Newton was brutal. Dog Three shit. interceptions, less than a hundred yards passing. In a QBR of 3.5. Like, BU, BU Camp Newton, but be better. Maybe focus less time on your post-game outfits and more time on football. Oh, (laughs) spicy. Thanks, Cam. Appreciate you, Cam. If this was a a visual podcast, there would just be like big old salt shakers just flying across the screen right now. (laughs) I don't even have Cam Newton in any of my fantasy teams. Like he's just bad. 
Oh, just throwing the shade oh, like it's boy. nothing. Yeah, it <laughs> was. It was not pretty. That uh, San Francisco defense finally looked like it used to for you know before they had injuries and lost some people in the off season. So, you know, Devin, this is a a sports themed podcast. Yet your nominee of the week really isn't even close to that. So, so it is, but it isn't. So. I'm just going to start off by saying the potato of the week is Nebraska in general from their football team to the weather. So it's a pretty wide net you got there, but can I change my, my potato of the week to Devin? <laughs> sure. Go right. I, 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 thought, I, I thought he was always a nomination that we didn't have to talk about every week. <laughs> He's Look, in, the in my defense, in my defense, I could, I could not find anything uh, that I thought was worthwhile in my opinion, but, um, but yeah, so uh, as you guys may know, the the weather's starting to change, and uh, it, it went from uh, what is it, Se- seventy degrees to like forty, and then next thing you know, we're getting four inches of snow, and then now it's like, oh hey, the weather wants to warm back up. So th- there's my potato of the week. I'm gonna be honest <laughs> with you, Devin. You know, it's Halloween's and like. A couple days, all right. So you, you obviously don't have a costume picked out yet, so I got you. I'm gonna get you a Captain Obvious costume, <laughs> and that way you're covered for the rest of your life. Oh my I would Christ! Love that. Qu- quote: You guys may know this, but the weather is changing. And then just dead silence, like we're supposed to like clap or something. Like, oh, I didn't know that. Thanks, Devin. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, good thing it's the, the end. Yeah, good thing it's the end of the, of the week. I'll start off. I'm going to take the Panthers over the Falcons by three. Th- we're going thirds in that game again since we had so much luck with it last week, right? I have more confidence. Ooh, they're in the Thursday slot. Yep. That would be Thursday. Yep. Oh boy. All right. Um, I am going to take the Rams over the Dolphins by eleven. Um, I think that Rams defense is going to make Tua's first game. Uh. A real living hell. I think, you know, it's a really good feel, good story that he's able to make his start and he's replacing Fitzpatrick and whatnot. Super happy for him and all that good stuff. It ain't going to be pretty. That's all I'm going to say. Eric? Um, my lock this week, uh, a bit spicy. Uh, and I'm going to take the Raiders over the Browns uh, by four. As Boomer like says, it. the the Raiders. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. We're we're gonna edit that out. We're gonna yeah. edit that out. Yeah. Extra spicy. <laughs> uh, yeah, Raiders by four over the Browns. Devin. All right. Uh, so I was a little upset because I wanted to pick the Raiders this week again, and kind of redeem myself. But you know. I'm gonna go with the uh, the Chargers over the brown or over the the donks. <laughs> the donks. <laughs> the donks. The donks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna take I'm gonna take them uh, beating them by seven. Is it sad that I so. thought you were gonna say you, like you're gonna somehow bring your lock of the week to like Nebraska weather or something like that? Like I lock it in that <laughs> it's not gonna be consistent at all. Like I thought that's where you were gonna go with that. <laughs> no. Nope, I I would never choose anything Nebraska related when it comes to sports, just because I mean, example, trash. I, uh, 
Uh, yeah, last weekend. What kind of mascot is the Cornhuskers? Uh, well, you see, there's there's nothing but corn out here, so. Wow, yeah. you really are Captain Obvious. Jeez. Duh. Wait, Duh. Colton, do you know the name of the Cedar Rapids minor league baseball team here? It's the Cedar um, Rapids Colonels. <laughs> and the mascot's just an ear of corn. <laughs> Eric, when Yikes. you ask a question of somebody if they know something, normally you give them time to answer the question. No, I, I had an answer, but I didn't think it was appropriate for the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in that case, you were our human bleep button, so I thank you, Eric. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> apparently, we, again, somehow got it past me to talk about The Bachelorette this week, so you, you guys have fun before oh, Mike, we end the podcast. We'll get to you in on this. So, they finally introduced the new Bachelorette they've been hinting at the whole time when Claire leaves. So it's Tasha. If you don't know her, she's on Bachelor in Paradise. They did the most bizarre intro for her. Katie was like, cover your eyes as soon as they <laughs> brought her on. <laughs> but Claire has had tunnel vision the whole time. These dudes need to just walk out. Oh, for sure. They they need to leave. Uh, I think they will leave. Uh, I still I still love Easy. He's still my favorite. Um, just such a cool dude. Uh, but I agree she's being totally unfair to the rest of them. Like mm-hmm. They all still need dates and group dates and stuff, and Dale just keeps getting these group dates. It's it's so unfair. And when they roasted him, I really kind of feel like it was, uh, you know, it, it, it was a, a chance for them to get their steam out, and they did. It, yep. was, it was spicy. I'm like, oh, it was great. Oh, she was great. Hey, she just took it way hey, too personal. Have you guys seen some of the memes on Twitter of, of Dale? No. You'll have oh, to send some on the way. They're they're extra spicy. Extra spicy. Extra Re- spicy. Retweet some. I, I I'll have to. Go follow our guy Devin Biller at D underscore Biller40 at Twitter. For some hot Nebraska weather takes in case you're looking for some. Oh, oh yeah. you you need to tweet out like something from from uh from the weather service at Nebraska this week, just be like, I told you, I told you they were potato. It's all over the fucking place. I told you. <laughs> Don't you know? Uh, all right. Well, I think that's 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 enough of that today. Um, and next with weather, Devin Miller. Oh God. Um. Anyways, um, <laughs> this was another good episode, guys. Um. Uh. You know, obviously, there's a couple couple big dates coming up soon so obviously you know the uh, the election is coming up soon so make sure you get either your uh, your absentee in or you go vote in person it's very important um and then you know there's a couple couple things with sports coming up obviously MLB uh, free agency starts on the 1st of November um college football is getting fully in the swing um NBA's finished up recently so they're still trying to figure out when their season's starting um, and then obviously you got week eight of NFL football coming up. So plenty of uh, sports related things to hopefully keep you preoccupied and busy. Um, yeah. So hope you guys have another good week and we'll catch you back on Thursday. <laughs>